It's the most wonderful time of the year. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show, and I am so excited! It's the best weekend of the American football calendar. It's the divisional round. And whilst it's tinged with a hint of sadness, we're going to be talking about the Chargers leaving San Diego as well. We've got four cracking, well, three cracking games and a bit of a dud coming up this weekend. And we're going to preview them all and it's going to be brilliant. This is The Gridiron Show. Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And uh, if you're coming to our Super Bowl pass this year, or even if you're not, uh, Touchdown Trips should be in attendance and you should get in touch with them. Quite a few people, when we talked through what the, uh, what the trip was exactly going to involve during the last show got in touch with me, were asking how they could get in touch with Ben Mortimer from Touchdown Trips and get involved because we are looking at trying to cap it at just £2,000 this year. Ten days, at least three NFL games, a college game, a high school game, and lots more besides, all in the deep and dirty south going through Louisiana, Nashville. It's going to be incredible. So touchdowntrips.com online or head to Facebook, Touchdown Trips, Twitter, Touchdown Trips, all of the above to find out about our tour for next year. And go to our Twitter page, at Gridiron, to find where you can buy your super Bowl tickets, uh, Super Bowl party tickets, obviously not actual tickets for the Super Bowl, uh, but to come and watch it in London with uh, a great group of NFL fans in a fantastic venue. We went down and did a visit at the venue, and that's all in association with Visit Houston. They're going to be doing some really exciting stuff on the night, including they're giving away a 10-person VIP booth for our party. That competition is online right now at gridiron-magazine.com. All right, nice. I did that all off the top of my head because I don't have my laptop with me today, Ollie. Also, so you're you impressed mu- with my level of corporate shill. Well, the, the corporate shill was great, but you muffed the opener. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. It, what did we open with? Uh, the most wonderful time of the year. And then you were like, it's the best weekend. It's no, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm not going to follow up the no, words no, no, no. It's the most wonderful time no, by no, saying no, no, no. that again. You should have said it that's, again. That's cheesy. No, no, no. You should have said it again. Any decent presenter, any presenter worth their salt Ollie, would have said it again. As, I think there's only one way to... Adju- radio presenter. There's only one way to adjudicate this. <laughs> oh, Billy Big Bollocks. There's only one way to adjudicate this. Uh, Matt Sherry, chief of the Gridiron magazine. Whose side do you follow? Oh, yeah, I would love to disagree with Will because he just refers to himself as a professional radio presenter. Um, But to follow Nat King Cole would be very difficult, wouldn't it? It was was Andy Williams, so... No, I thought you said it was King Cole. No, 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 it was Andy Williams. Uh, Matt Sherry, who do you follow? (laughs) Sherry's joining us to preview (laughs) our four games for this week and uh, to talk all things NFL. We've also been getting all together. What is he doing? Why are you always rustling about? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, we're recording here and you're faffing around. What is this? Look, I've got rid of him. When he's not talking, he's not. He's not there. 
Fine. What is he doing? <laughs> no, no one knows what he's doing right, back bring, there. Bring it back up and ask what he's doing. What were you doing? I was making a cup of tea, I'm sure. Why, why does making a cup of tea make that amount of noise? Yeah, I was literally, like, creeping around the house, doing it as quietly as I could as well. Look, we've always got to deal with you and your heavy breathing as it is anyway, Matthew. Yeah, right? you're out of order, mate. <laughs> Look, pull him down while he makes his cup of tea. And <laughs> Did he make get, one for us? Let's get no. the show started. Uh, uh, Ollie, we haven't done a how are you, what's up, uh, kind of general chat to start the show yet. Ollie, how are you? What's up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, what is going on with you? You honestly. I'm all over the shop today. I, I, am... I, I tell you what it is. I'm giddy. Why are you giddy? Because I was in the same room as Emma Stone today. Oh, get out, mate. There wasn't enough time to go and talk to her. and Like, they weren't doing any pictures. They were in, they were out. It was so quick. Is but... she as beautiful in real life? Often celebrities are even more beautiful in real life than they are when they're on the screen. Emma Stone is genuinely 100% my ideal number one pinup. Like, Is it because she's ginger and you'd keep the, the, the lineage going? It's because she's ginger. It's because she's really cool. It's because she loves nerdy stuff like Star Wars and stuff like that. Yeah. It's because she's an amazingly talented human being as well. And she's beautiful. Yeah. All of those things combined. And she's even prettier in person than she was in real life. And she seemed lovely. I didn't get to... Like, normally when they come in, you get to say hi and just have a quick chat with people while they're here. But this was a no-go. They're in, they're out. Gosling was there as well. And Ryan Gosling, I have to say, up there with Ryan Reynolds last year at the Super Bowl with how attractive he was in person. Wow. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really haven't come down down from that to be honest that's um that was on that was on virgin radio we'll give them a plug because they need all the plugs they can get i saw la la land (laughs) this week as well i went and saw it at the picture house central uh which is a beautiful like newly done up cinema beautiful big red plush seat can we get in there with our our cineworld passes you have to pay like a five pound upgrade because it's not officially cineworld but you can yeah okay and it's uh, on a cine scope screen so an old school oscar widescreen but are you close because often with these these um, cinemas you're miles away the view is amazing it's dolby atmos sound everything about it was brilliant and the film was great i have a feeling we have a mandate coming up there sometime soon it's gonna get sexy it really will uh so yeah but i we were talking about this before the show ollie i um i was in a bad mood last night as was i stuff happened it's not worth going into but stuff happened and there were some frustrations and some plans fell through and you know there was just it wasn't in a bad mood it's just i had to go from thinking everything was sorted in in an area to having to resort everything it's one of those and i was in the same sort of bad mood you sort of imagine this guys guy you you throw up what what was that was that you in water? Yeah. That sorry. was so loud. No. Why? What, do, what are people doing? You're a professional... Ra- Wait a sec. Uh, it was one of those where you throw up your hands and go, oh, for Christ's sake. sake. Yeah. Because um, blasphemy's okay, but swearing's not. I'm a big fan of blasphemy. <laughs> uh, so I was in a bad mood as well. How did you get yourself out of this funk? Because I had a way of getting myself out, and I want you to tell me yours first, because ta- it's very funny. First thing was I talked to you on the phone and I had a bit of a rant. Yep. Then I finished making dinner for me and my lovely wife. Actually, you were as loud on the phone <laughs> as Sherry's breathing in normal real life last night. And, so. the, and then I went upstairs and Sarah had bought this uh, French dressing table with uh, attached mirror and everything else a couple of months ago. But we had to do some decorating in the room first before it was built. The decorating's now done. The room is now cleaned. And so I went and spent two hours building flat pack furniture in anger. 
Did you have any music on? Well, you just did it in silence. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was listening to podcasts, actually. But okay, okay, fine. Yeah, I, got, I was listening to you really get podcasts. Into, you really get into a zone doing yeah. following instructions f- on flat uh, pack furniture. Do you want to know the most annoying thing about the whole situation? Mm, yes. I was probably maybe three or four steps from completion. Yeah. And then Sarah came to bed. I was like, I've got to be up early in the morning. I'm going to go to bed. I was like, so she was like, you can finish it tomorrow. Really? So it's, I've not finished it. Oh, that's that's bad. Yeah. It, that would have put me back into the funk. I'm I'm annoyed that we're sat in a radio studio right now doing the podcast instead of being at home putting together the rest of that furniture and finishing it off. All right, Sheldon. I, um, I'll tweet out a picture of it when we're done. I When I get into a bit of a funk, I tend to go a bit inwards. Um, I'm sure there's a better word for it, but I don't know what it is. Introspective. Yes. And then I decided, do you know what? I'm hungry. So I was a little bit hangry as well. I'm hungry. I'm going to cook. I didn't have any food, so I went to the supermarket, and I cooked my favourite dish, and then I ate it. Did you feel better? I, I felt better. Good man. That's not, what, that's not the right question. Are you, have you lost your presenting powers? What did you cook? There we go. Oh, my God. I had king prawn linguine. Oh! But this is how Just I, with chilli and garlic? Chilli, garlic, grated fresh ginger, oh. <laughs> fresh coriander... Mm. Beautiful. Just um, maybe as a garnish. The 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 king prawns I cooked in sesame seed oil and butter. Oh, a butter answer, you fiend! And I added some uh, freshly ground juniper berries. Why do we wonder when people send us tweets about food? Because we talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, if anyone wants that recipe, one, it'll cheer you up if you're upset, but two, it's it's superb to eat i like i love cooking it right it's great to eat it only takes 15 minutes you've got to do it guys. we need to talk about american football and it's matt sherry finished making his cup of tea now i've already finished it can i just say and, and this is not to make this an episode of ready steady cook but if people want a slight alternative to that prawn dish what you could also do is take the ginger out um rose put start off with a base of white wine and some cherry tomatoes. Cook them down for 15 minutes, which will lift all the acidity out of the tomatoes and make them really sweet. Rest of the ingredients you mentioned in there with some pasta, and then you've got an Italian-style prawn linguine, which is equally delicious. Yeah, I, like, you are right there, Sherry. I added some white wine and a bit of soy sauce. So mine was sort of a, a, an Asian inflection. A, an Asian-Italian fusion. You're, you're going into fusion there, Ollie. That's yeah. really impressive. That was, is not easy to do. I tell you what, in Houston... I will make it for us all. And Sherry buys the ingredients as the meal that he's buying you for the Packers winning by 14 or more points last week. No, 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 no. That will be a steak dinner. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm happy to make that a steak dinner, Ollie. Yeah, that's fine. Right, let's let's talk football. The big, big news from overnight. And, well, in fact, it's not even the big, big news yet. We're recording this and it's just past midday in the UK. So, actually, it's really still four hours away from being the big news. But the Chargers owner, Dean Spanos, has called an 8am meeting today to... To tell his staff the news they've all been bracing for, the team plans to move to Los Angeles. According to several sources informed of the team's plans, Spanos told the NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, other league officials and a few fellow owners of his intentions following the committee meetings on Wednesday. During those meetings, the charges were apparently barely a topic and the league did not offer any additional money to contribute to their stadium effort. I've been reading more and more about this overnight and the amount that they've been putting into trying to stay in San Diego. Because, I mean, Dean Spanos to me is the villain of the piece he is a carpetbagger i'm not a fan of what's happening but it's interesting to see that you know they invested 10 million
pounds in the f- was that what you fade me fade me sorry down? wrong one 10 million pounds in the fight to win the stadium referendum whereas the opponents only invested 200,000 K um, getting bludgeoned in the ba- ballot was like that final blow but before that they had invested a lot in trying to stay in the city they're just not willing to invest in a stadium and the league clearly isn't willing to either we got a lot of uh, comments from this on Twitter so we'll go to that as well but I, I think my initial thoughts, and, and, and Ollie and Matt, I'll ask you as well, but my problem with this versus LA is that they were already a transient team, the Rams. They moved from LA to St. Louis, back again. We've had teams have moved in the past, whether it be the, uh, whether it be the Raiders, but even with the Raiders, they now feel like they're truly Oakland's team again. But for San Diego, a team who have always been based there, yes, the stadium is a crap hole, but the fans have been great there, and I don't, I don't buy into this idea that because they're moving just up the road, it's like a three hour, three and a half hour drive. That the same fans will still go. I think if they leave the city, those people will leave supporting the team. And let's talk about them going to the uh, to the LA Galaxy Stadium for at least one season, if not three. That's only a twenty eight thousand capacity stadium because there's nowhere else suitable for them to play. The whole thing just seems farcical to me. Yeah, I mean, they are going to the LA Galaxy Stadium, aren't they? They've got a two-year agreement on... on yeah, this what seems... Unless, unless between now and the 17th, they can sort out somewhere saying in San Diego. And actually, the league can still reject their move to LA. That's not actually ratified yet. It's just that the Rams built that part, that into yeah. the deal, that a second team could apply to go there, but the league still has to say yes to it. I would be really surprised if they didn't, considering no additional money was offered for a stadium, but there, there are still stages to this process to go. This just feels like the moment where it became finally confirmed. Well, we had Greg Rosenthal on the NFL show a couple of weeks ago when all Clang. of this was going on, and he said that the NFL, he thinks that the NFL would be far more keen to for San Diego to stay and remain in Sa- the charges to stay and remain in San Diego. The fact that they haven't put up any money uh, makes you kind of question that, but it, it, the NFL still, as you said, still have to ratify this. I'm, I'm, Sherry, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that there can't be a loan deal done or something like that. Okay, they're not going to pay for the stadium, but okay, say it's going to cost a billion dollars. Actually, ridiculously, that is no real skin off the NFL's back. But if you said to the Chargers, you pay that off at a rate of $50 million a year out of your subsidy you get from the league when all the money gets pulled and sent back out to teams again over the course of, what would that be, 20 years... I don't see what is the... And maybe pay a couple of extra years so you're paying a bit of interest. I can't see why something like that can't happen because I'm just gutted with how it's going at the moment. Sherry, it's, it, it, it's frustrating. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's, there's a, lot of, um, a lot of fans listening back to this who can remember the, the sole season of the Los Angeles Chargers in 1960 and probably attended every game. Of course, that, never, that is not true. It's ridiculous. And I, I just agree with you. To me, this is where the league has, has kind of jumped the shark almost. And it's it's just ludicrous. I mean, they can't continue to do things like this and expect to have the levels of fan engagement that are, that are really driving the league. And, and I think a lot of these league owners now believe that they're driving the league, but it's players and it's fans that are driving the league. And, and this is just a decision that makes no sense whatsoever. The, the, the Los Angeles Rams one did make a lot of sense because St. Louis... I mean, they, they hadn't had the team that long anyway. It wasn't like there was a groundswell of support. I'm sure there were a lot of upset fans in St. Louis. But the San Diego Chargers are part of the tapestry of the NFL. They've been, they've been here since 1961. And, of course, you shouldn't favour one team over another. But it... 
He's so angry, well, he's dropped off. The, the, can you hear me still? Say yeah, it you're again, back. Say yeah, it again. yeah, you're back. Say it again. Yeah, I mean, what really annoys me with the whole thing is the fact that these owners are billionaires who own billion-dollar companies really in NFL angry. teams. They can afford to build a stadium. It's absolutely ridiculous that the whole cities to ransom are what the public, who basically are the reason they're billionaires anyway, to pay for stadiums. And yeah, this one's really frustrated me, because I, I thought they'd stay in San Diego. And the, and the worst part is that in 10 years' time, some other team's going to have their, their, their team lifted from underneath them. When they move then, then to San Diego, because there'll be a team in San Diego in the next 20 years. No yeah, it, it, feel, it just it, won't be the charges. Let me, it, uh... it feels like Cleveland all over again. It feels a bit like the Colts all over. It feels like one of those ones where San Diego will be an NFL city again. So why not invest in it now rather than in 15 years' time, 10 years' time? What you've just said is is absolutely right. I mean, they could get a loan from the bank on good terms with the amount of money in in the San Diego charges to pay for the stadium, first of all. But, of course, the NFL, with the vast reserves of cash that they have sitting in the bank, could give them an interest-free loan that they pay off every year for 20 years, 30 years. Who cares? Just keep them in there and, and, and... I mean, the charges are notoriously cheap with players and everything else. And, and I, I think that an element of that has shown through. But it's just, it's just so frustrating, isn't it? I think we're losing one of the, one of the bedrock franchises of the, of the NFL. And most importantly, there's no evidence that Los Angeles can sustain one NFL franchise yet because there were hardly any people in the stadium for the end of the, their first season with the Rams back. So they're certainly not going to be able to support two. It's just ridiculous. Listen, when I went to see... The Rams versus the Dolphins. Uh, the TV only made it so that you could see the bottom tier and where most of the fans were. That that place was half empty. They were officially seventy five thousand. I would be surprised if there was sixty in there. It was half empty. Now the it, interest- was, it was amazing with that game. Just to make that point, that despite TV using all of the special angles that they use to make it look full it still looked empty on it, TV. if you go to at Ollie Hunter on Twitter I took a <laughs> which picture which you should do at all times we all do it at all times I took a picture of Case Keenum from uh, field level and you can see behind him how exactly how many people there were in the stands there weren't many okay there was a downpour and a lot of people decided not to go but uh, yeah it wasn't good now the interesting thing about that about going to the Coliseum was right next to it the new um, soccer team I think it's the LA uh, Carpetbaggers it, it, It's the new soccer team That's going to be A new MLS team Their stadium Is being built Right next to the Coliseum It's not uh, It's None of it has been built yet It was a big hole in the ground What about if they build that As an NFL specific stadium 40,000 Boom, there you go. Let, let me talk you through some of the um, the tweets that we've had, because there's been a lot of response to this on Twitter, so I'm going to go on a little bit of a, a ramble here, but let's just get oh, through some, there, some of the thoughts. <laughs> Good. Uh, Tom Knight says, Chargers thoughts, awful move. LA has the Rams and doesn't seem phased by them. Don't think the appetite is there, and I'm gutted for Chargers fans. Jono says, probably the worst move since the Colts left Baltimore, given that Cleveland retained the name and got the team back a few years later. How the NFL are going to allow this to happen when no one wants it or thinks it's a good idea is quite damning, on both the owners and Goodell. Uh, John says, Chargers can't have home weeknight games in the LA Galaxy Stadium due to a deal with local authorities capping capacity. I mean, that's an element I haven't looked into, but it's an interesting one. Um, 
Nick says, remember the time that Philip Rivers endorsed Rick Santorum for president? All right. So we, we were giving, basically, we were giving Philip Rivers some love on, on Twitter and some, some sympathy, and people have uh, given him some stick. Uh, could Rivers start a new team in San Diego comprised just of his kids? Asks Dutton. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, and and the, the question of Rivers is coming up number and number of times, I, I, which I want to get to in just a moment. But first of all, let's just hear this diatribe from Bobby Wilcox. He's a commissioner in one of our fancy leagues that we've been doing since the old show days. And he's been listening through for the last four years since we started doing this. Really good guy. Biggest San Diego Chargers fan I know. Goes out to see the team regularly. And he had this to say. This is a sad day for San Diego. The Chargers have never been a franchise that has moved around, and it's sad to think that the city will lose a team of over 55 years. Although attendance haven't been high over the last two years, the fan base has remained loyal, and the city doesn't deserve this. Spanos has royally screwed this up and won't be forgiven. It's the American way that, in the end, the dollar rules and the people can go and <coughs> themselves. This has been on the cards for a couple of years now, bungled measures, yada, yada, yada. Although I've always said I'd not support the LA Chargers, it's difficult to say how I'm feeling about the team for 2017. It's impossible to have feelings for the team and players that I've completely invested in and now say I don't care about them anymore. I'm still interested to see who the new coach will be and who the team might pick in the draft. I want to see if the team can reach its potential if they manage to keep relatively injury free. It's a very valid point but mostly I feel sad for the city itself. I went to San Diego again this November and I love it. Watching the game at Qualcomm is the best experience I've had at a football game. LA doesn't hold the same appeal and I think both the Rams and Chargers will struggle in an already saturated media market. So it's quite interesting. Uh, I mean... That comes back to our conversation about Mike McCoy and how we thought it's so unfair he got fired because he was in the worst situation of any coach. But the Rivers question. Tom Knight, could Rivers leave or even retire with a move to LA? And somebody else asked us, uh, Adam Barton, with his comments last season, is Rivers on the trading block? If you're a team a la maybe Denver, who still know in Paxton Lynch, they've got to get a few more years, uh, another year or so under his belt before you think he's startable. Uh, If you're... We've talked about lots of quarterback needy teams. This might be the moment to go and see if Philip Rivers is angry enough about this to be tradable. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is that a lot of what Rivers has said is... I mean, I think he was angry for a move to Tennessee a couple of years ago because he's from there, but... A lot of what he talks about is his family and living in the area. He's not going to get a closer franchise than LA is. He's to San Diego. No so, fair. So I think it's a difficult one. I mean, Denver should really be going out for Rome or somebody like that, definitely. And, and Rivers will be in that mix. But, yeah, it seems a strange one to me. I mean, I feel sorry for the players generally. I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of really talented young players there. And, and you just know that this is, is not going to work out well. I mean, it just isn't... It's, it's a complete nightmare, and, and I mean San Diego, along with Denver, is probably my favourite city that I've ever visited in America. It's, it's a it's a great place, and should have an NFL team. I'm almost more fascinated to see who San Diego's next head coach is than the 49ers right now, as a 49ers yeah. fan, because I actually I, I'm so intrigued as to what's going to happen there. Look, we've talked about this Chip for a Kelly. Lo- <laughs> we've, talked about- <laughs> we've talked about this for quite a long time. The one thing I did want to quickly mention: this is my NFL radio uh, rumours regarding the Raiders' move to Vegas coming out of that meeting yesterday. Apparently, Mr. Adelson, the guy who is going to put like $650 million into this project, is no longer interested in being involved. The city itself prefer a location near downtown instead of near the Strip, which is where they were looking for, because there's already infrastructure to get in and out. For egress was the word they used. Um, 
basically the th- correct word yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> can't expect the Raiders to wait on San Diego when the deal uh, was the Raiders can go to LA if the Chargers turn it down extending the Chargers deadline on LA while still telling the Raiders no would be a bad look that's what's been said in the meeting so I mean this the, the Raiders Vegas thing we'll put a pin in it for now but that's still something we've got to look at going forward however We've, we've still got to talk about four games and we've got two new head coaching hires to the point at which this other news that I printed off I'll put it in recycling, don't worry can go away uh, Where do you want to start? Buffalo or Denver? Um, Denver to me is, is the Buffalo one um, Denver Broncos I, I, I like the idea of going John Elway has got so much right and he, he's, he's got that right by going with his instinct and clearly that this is that move I just thought Kyle Shanahan was the absolute... I've, I've rarely seen a, a head coaching fit that was more perfect than Kyle Shanahan to Denver this year. So that, that to me, is the, is the negative with that one. But by the same account, it's hard to disagree wholly with John Elway. I think he got the Osweiler thing wrong still in the off-season. He got too much credit for, for offering him £16 million a year. Uh, but he's got most things right, so I think you have to give it the benefit of the doubt. Look, my feeling on Vance Joseph is uh, right now, I, I think I'm, I, you're absolutely right. I'm surprised that they haven't gone for somebody offensive with a decent defensive coordinator. Lord knows what's happening to Wade Phillips at this point. Um, uh, although there was some potential talk about him going to, <laughs> to, uh, uh, going to uh, Bur- uh, not Buffalo, going to Carolina now with uh, the moves that have happened. Going to the Rams as well, isn't there? With, oh, uh, that would be an interesting one, going to the Rams. It seems like McVeigh's going to be the 30-year-old offensive coordinator from Washington who's kind of become the hot candidate seems like he's going to get the Rams job and, and his first choice is to have Phillips with him um, I mean the other thing is surely there's crossover between Kyle Shanahan in Houston and Wade Phillips so it would have made sense to keep Wade get Shanahan mm-hmm. I, and I know there's crossover and I, I know that Vance Joseph was defensive backs coach in Houston under Wade Phillips but it's always difficult, isn't it? A defensive coordinator wants to implement his style of defence, and we assume that Vance Joseph is going to do that and find a guy that fits that as opposed to, to win. And, and I think Vance Joseph, as, as a rookie head coach, as a defensive-minded guy, it's a difficult situation for him to keep Wade Phillips because it's going to be one of those situations, kind of the, the opposite of the Patriots situation, maybe like a Buddy Ryan situation with the... With the Bears, where Wade Phillips is going to get all the credit for what Vance Joseph does, and I think that that makes his job more difficult from the start. If if he stayed in Denver, I don't know what you guys think. Look, look, I, my, as I was saying, my feeling on Vance Joseph is this: is that what you need to be a head coach and a good coordinator are different skill sets, and everyone's going to point to the fact that actually Miami's defense wasn't that good last year. They had injuries at linebacker and that caused them some real problems. And and in the secondary and on the line, they had moments where they looked good, but yes, that is part of it. And yes, that's why it baffles me slightly. And yes, I did see other better fits just like you, Sherry, but from everything I've never met Van Joseph, Vance Joseph, I don't know him personally, but from everything I hear about him, he does sound like the sort of person who would suit a head coaching job maybe more than a coordinator's role because everyone's been talking about his attention to detail, being personality-led, him being uh, a great motivator, all those things that you want from a head coach rather 
rather than from uh, rather than from a coordinator. It's not that he's a scheming guy. The, the, the McVeigh, and we'll talk about McVeigh more in LA when it's when it happens. But you know that one to me is interesting because I've loved him in Washington, and it's I've banged on about the scheming of that offense for the last two years. I think it's the one of the best scheme, two or three schemed offenses in the league, and. I don't know how he's going to translate into being a head coach at 30. Um, and then I, you go to Buffalo with Sean McDermott, who's been hired as the new head coach there. And a year ago, we were sitting there going, Sean McDermott looks like he's going to have a, a head coaching job next year. But if I'm Sean McDermott and that Panthers defense was a good, as good as it was a year ago, I just don't know if I want the Bills job, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I'd be interested to know which candidates were willing to take the Bills job. With with the uncertainty with the Pagulas, who've had an injudicious start, to say the least, as owners. The, the Doug Whaley press conference is still, to me, one of the most ridiculous things I've, I've ever seen. It was just farcical. Um, I, 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 so, I mean, I kind of me thinks, part of me thinks now that they were struggling for candidates, and obviously Anthony Lynn would have been a candidate. I'm, I'm amazed he didn't get the job, to be honest. Um but it's just a strange one. Part of me just thinks that he kind of gone from the hot candidate to the not so hot candidate, so he's just taken the, the first job that he was offered. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, you would think he's a guy who instills more discipline than Rex Ryan, which I'm sure me, you, and Ollie could do collectively. So <laughs> collectively, I think individually we probably yeah, could. individually we could. Yeah, quite, quite <laughs> cool. given I'm one of the most positive people on the planet. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, why not? Um, so it's, we're going to get into when we get into the off season. We're going to get into every franchise, their future, what we think about them. We'll do whether it's division by division, whether it's conference by conference. However, we choose to do it, there will be a lot more focus. And obviously, when we go to the Super Bowl this year, uh, interviews are starting to come together a little bit now. Uh, so we'll have stuff that we're doing on Radio Row. We're hoping to speak with Warren Moon next week, regardless of what the Seahawks Who? result is this weekend. Very good. Um, but we'll also chat him out in Houston because he is obviously as the oil quarterback legend he will be uh, he's he's there all week as a um what's the word i'm looking for ambassador ambassador, ambassador. i used it earlier yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh he's there well as done, ambassador mate. so we've already sorted Great out work. warren's gonna be coming and joining us on radio roast that's our first hall of famer booked in but with a lot of these guys we'll get in guys current players from the team former players from teams and that will fuel our conversation in the off season as well uh plus we'll still talk about la san francisco and san diego those west coast teams as they get Head coaches. Hi everyone, it's Dev off the radio here. We're doing a brand new podcast from Lucas Aid Sport called Running the Show. And I'm Sam Thompson from Made in Chelsea. Hey. I'll be joining Annoying slash being overly affectionate with Dev for the next 12 weeks as we both take up running for the first time. Make sure you join us on all your podcast providers to find out which one of us is killing the training and which one of us is hating every second. Probably me. Din, should we talk about some uh, some real life football? Because it's divisional weekend. Yes, the most wonderful time of the year. Let's go chronologically. Seahawks visit the Falcons. It's a thirty-five minutes past nine. Who says that? It's a twenty-five to ten. Uh, it's a twenty-five to ten on Saturday. Um, I'm really, really excited about this. Do you, know, do you know what I've loved the most this week? And this was uh, something—a story that came out just this morning uh, from a from a. Uh, 
press conference last night this via ESPN. Matt Ryan basically um, this this was uh, looking back to week six. This was a great game, and let's be honest, the Falcons were some bad calls and a couple of drops away from probably winning this one. I know you can never predict what's going to happen if a call goes the other way, but it, the Falcons looked like the better team on the day. They just didn't get it done. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Earl Thomas's uh, position in the lineup, the fact that he's not there with his fractured tibia. And when Matt Ryan was asked about this, he just simply went, we made big plays with Earl Thomas there. Why couldn't we do it without him? Like, oh, yes, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, he's so ballsy Bang. now. Bang. Isn't he? I like, I like that's, that's, that's Matt Ryan trying to convince himself <laughs> that he's not going to choke massively. <laughs> Let's not forget. Let's not forget. These two gave us a brilliant divisional game four years ago, uh, and it was Matt Ryan's signature moment as a professional so far because he draws them down for a field goal with about twenty seconds left in the game, didn't he? After Russell Wilson and draws them for the go-ahead score in his rookie year, I think. I think yeah, it was. I think it was twenty-six seconds and two timeouts. I watched it back this morning, <laughs> um, and, and yeah, drove them down for the field goal. And then they actually had the the Seahawks got to have one more play. They got a big return and then one more hail mary play after the kickoff. And uh, Julio Jones made the interception in the end zone to end the game because they had the hands team out for uh, for the hail mary, but. This is the, the the Seahawks for me of all the teams this weekend are the team I'm most kind of excited and intrigued about watching. And I know Seahawks fans are probably taking a collective gasp in to hear me say that, but it's purely because I want to know whether after four weeks where they couldn't run the ball, where they struggled on defense without Earl Thomas, was last weekend a case of coming up against a battered, beaten, and, and just already defeated Lions team? And this weekend, they're going to have their flaws shown up by the uh, Falcons offense, which when I talked about the best schemed offenses, they're up there. Or was that exactly what they needed to get their swagger back? We know how much that Legion of Boom and that defense is is based on their confidence and and based on that swagger. And and are they actually going to suddenly go on a big old roll? And this is the game that really I'm looking at and and thinking, I don't know which way this is going to go. And I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a multi-layered response, really. I, I think the format. I think that they were against a bad team last week, and the faces upon that. However, I also think that the the, the, the Falcons' defensive front and linebackers is a great matchup for them in that sense as well. So I think they will run the ball effectively this week. I think this is a game that they can win. I think they will get shown up. Whoever. Yeah, whoever they play in the championship game, I think they'll probably get shown up. Um, especially if it was Dallas, whose whose run defense has been really good this year. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's multi-layered. I, I think they they faced a bad bad situation with the Lions, but I think they could do the same this week to the Falcons. I, I th- it's interesting because the the Falcons' defense has got better and better as this year goes on, and and that shows up more than anywhere else in Vic Beasley's sack numbers, which grew over the year into him becoming the sack leader and okay it was one of the lowest years for a sack leader in a number of years but even so uh, one of the stark differences for the Seahawks for me last weekend was after the the left tackle whose name completely escapes me the rookie and Jermaine Effedi at right guard had been completely shown up over the previous three four weeks when they couldn't run the ball and when Wilson was having to constantly get off his spot like he does better than almost anyone else in the NFL but he was forced to do it almost every play and then suddenly they blocked really well in the run game they managed to uh, spring Thomas rules they managed to look really good that matchup is really intriguing to me on uh, on Saturday evening because 
if Vic Beasley can get up against that left tackle and have some fun with him and they can get some pressure elsewhere as well, then great. But I think they're going to have to design some some safety blitzes. I think they have to design some... They're going to have to try and put the, the Seahawks offense off any rhythm because if they can get into a basic rhythm, get the run game going, and they know they can get the big plays out of the Paul Richardsons of the world, out of the Doug Baldwins of the world, then I think they will have enough to go and win in Atlanta. Well, the thing is, I, I think they were playing... as, as Sherry said such a a beat up physically and mentally team in the lions that i think the seahawks uh, whoever the lions were playing would have run all over them whatever even maybe even oakland you know what i mean i I thought i thought (laughs) the oakland rugby has been good this year but but. what i mean is that the the lions was, was such a bad team that i think it's a little bit of a false dawn this seahawks are back okay they got the running game going but thomas rules a bit like uh, the rest of the team can be good one week and could be really bad the next. The, the offensive line, as you said, has been pretty bad this whole season. And, and okay, they 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 played up against the Lions, but as I said, the Lions uh, were all over the place uh, on both sides of the ball. So when you come up against the sack leader, you come up against a team that have had a week off, had time to scheme, and they would have schemed for. Seattle for the two weeks they wouldn't have, have, have uh, thought given much thought to the Lions at all they've already played them they ran them close at the, at, at the clink I, I can't see anything other than a, a Falcons win against the Seahawks team who as I've said and Will I will exclude you from this the Seahawks <laughs> have been streaky and they regularly string games together I think the Falcons will not have a field day but they will feast on seahawk meat but my, my feeling with it is I, I, I think the falcons will win as well but i think that'll be because similar to the seattle matchup I, I don't think i've ever seen a team do a better job of scheming their offense to attack the seahawks than the, than the falcons did early this year mm-hmm. and there's no surprise in that really mm-hmm. because <laughs> sorry i don't know why i went all uh, sassy black exploitation there but <laughs> uh-huh. you, you even did the head movement as well it was weird there's, uh, there's no surprise given the Falcons head coach Dan Quinn used to be the defensive coordinator and knows that scheme as well as anybody and, and I think that'll be the difference again but the Seahawks have two huge things in their favour which means that nobody's going to want to play them in the playoffs they have one of the top three clutches quarterbacks in the NFL and I'd probably say he's top two in, in that specific category and they also have mental toughness which is Something that the Falcons have shown this year, but historically haven't, and the Seahawks have that as much as any team in the NFL. So I think it'll be a relatively close game, but I think in the end the Atlanta offense is by far the best of the four main units that we'll see in the game, and that'll prove the difference. Plus they're at home uh, in the Georgia Dome. They've had, as I said, an extra week. I think all of the things are starting to point in their favour but never count out Russell Wilson and their defense as well. So, yeah, close game, uh, you know, within 10 points. I we said we say close game about nearly every game last week. And I, then, didn't. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Did I, Matt Sherry, big guy? That could have been very different had the Giants stopped puked on themselves. Sorry, what's he saying? I don't know. I can't hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just the final point on that Falcons offense, because there was um, Matt Ryan, a great interview with Matt Ryan earlier this week. Guess where it was? Uh, where they talked about the likes of Taylor Gabriel. They talked about Mohamed Sanu. 
like outside of Julio Jones, and we we love that the two back run game where they can do so much with Freeman and with Tevin Coleman. Uh, they just have so many playmakers. But what we've not really talked about this season is that. Last week we banged on about offensive lines a lot, and actually, in particularly the left side of their line, in Matthews, Levitre, Mack, the performance in the second half of this season has been absolutely brilliant, and that's where they're desperately going to need the difference makers because the Seahawks weren't able to rush the passer in that last month of the, of the regular season when they weren't looking good. But last weekend, Bobby Wagner was outstanding, maybe the best player on the field. Michael Bennett got his uh, chops back again, and, and that's that for me is is a real battle that. Uh, Atlanta need to continue to win as they have done throughout this year however I am going to take Atlanta in a tight one and I'm probably not it shouldn't be surprising that I'm doing that let's just put it Michael, that Michael Bennett though there's another guy he is a great player what a player he's the guy mm-hmm. who's I really, I well. really wish my team weren't in a division with the Seahawks and didn't have to play them in, you know, uh, end of se- season-ending games with fades into end zones that go wrong and everything else. Because otherwise, I think I'd really like them. Instead, yeah. I hate them. Yeah. It's, my, my, if I could have any player off any other team for the Patriots, Michael Bennett would be right up there. Mm. He's a, he's awesome. That guy. Uh, uh, everyone else, who we take him? Take the Falcons. Um, Jump by maybe eight points. Atlanta for me, I think it'll be a close game. Um, seven or less, but yeah, Atlanta. Well, if Matt Sherry says it's going to be a close game, it's a blowout Atlanta then. 20, 25 point win to Atlanta. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Saturday night, the New England Patriots have a bye, so let's move on to Sunday. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I said at the top of the. Uh, I think before we started <laughs> recording. I'm really looking forward to this game, and I'm looking forward because do you know what do you I know love what the, line the Texans? Is? I do love you know what the line is? For the I love Texans. Go on then. Fifteen and a half point underdogs. Wrong. And that's still about five points too. <laughs> you're, you're wrong, Sherry. This is going to be closer. I know that they've had a week off. I know that they they smashed them thirty-eight zip in earlier on in the season. But the Texans are a better team defensively than they were that game. I'm really looking forward to seeing this defense going up against Tom Brady. Look, I'm, the, the, I'm, I'm, the, the, the issue is, if we, if we get into it, I mean, the one thing that gives me pause for thought is the Patriots beat the Jets 45-3 two weeks before losing to them in the playoffs a few years ago. However, that was a weird situation where Jim Leonard, who basically made all the calls on that defence, broke his leg about two days before the game. Mm. So that, that kind of explained it. That Jets defence was way better than this Texans defence is. Way better. Um but my thing with it is that, that I think the Houston defense is very good. It's ten times worse on the road than it is at home. Yep. If you look through the yep. statistics this year, and where the good is where New England are very good on on offense. Like New England have had the best tackle combination in the NFL this season under the radar. Nate Soldier who's dropped back in at left tackle, and Marcus Cannon who's gone from preposterous joke figure to one of the best three right tackles in the league. They've been absolutely awesome this season, so I think they match up nicely against Merciless and Clowney. And I mean, they've done good jobs on Von Miller and Demarcus Ware and other great edge rushers. And I still think the way to get the periods is interior pressure, and they don't necessarily have that. They do have two very good linebackers. Hey, they got Big Vince. 
Wilford's absolutely <laughs> terrible now as well. That, that, that's one of the problems, actually. He's really bad now. I think the Patriots will be able to run the ball in this game because he, he isn't a good do, player Do we anymore. know, LeGarrette Blunt, I know, missed yesterday with illness. Is that, are we, is, uh, you'll know maybe better than we do. Is that just a bit of a stomach bug, bit of a flu, he'll be back today? Yeah, or anything so. I mean, more serious? the information out. But the other thing is, LeGarrette Blunt has barely ran the ball for them in the last three weeks. Yeah, but I, he's still the kind of power runner that I think could cause the interior of that team some real problems. And, is, and but I think they like Dion Lewis in there more because because of the options it gives them to, to change the play of the line in the passing game. And, and Lewis is actually a really very, very good in, in, inside runner for a little guy just because he's so shifty. Um, I think Lewis will be their main back for a lot of the postseason. But and the thing is, I really, really like the defensive backs on this Texans unit. I think that uh, Jonathan Joseph has had a good season. AJ Bouye, everyone's yeah, been good, talking about AJ Bouye in the season he's been having. He's a free agent this year, and uh, he's well, the new Malcolm Butler. He's, yeah, he's exactly. He's not quite going to be getting to Josh Norman levels, but it, it, the Texans are going to be uh, struggling to keep hold of him unless they win this weekend and suddenly uh, look like a really good team. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, I, but the problem is, and this is always the problem. And, and okay, at the beginning of the show, I said with Sean McVay, I had three offenses in mind in terms of the quality of the scheming, and they are Washington, Atlanta, and New England. Because yeah. the ability from New England to get mismatches, mm-hmm. even now with Rob Gronkowski out of the lineup, which was always the problem in the last two years, is when not last two, last three, because he did have that one season he played every game. Well, that pick but whenever up. he's not in the team. They struggled to get those same mismatches, but we saw it in that Seahawks Super Bowl two years ago. They just make a couple of shifts at the line, and suddenly you've got a Martellus Bennett on a linebacker. Suddenly you've got Julian Edelman on the outside against uh, a poor coverage safety. They, they just know how to scheme for defenses so well, and it means Tom Brady gets that ball out quicker than anyone else, and I just think that it's going to take a much sterner test to beat them, I'm afraid. That, that uh, Martellus Bennett pickup in the off-season by the Patriots, especially now with Gronkowski, and he has been struggling with injuries for the last two years anyway, well, has looked all the more uh, impressive and savvy by Belichick and that organisation. Uh, to have Bennett, who would be a number one tight end in, in almost any other team in the, in the league, is one of the best pickups in the, of the whole season, Matt. Every yeah. game we took, just quit very quickly, every team we talked about earlier this week that was eliminated from the playoffs, one of the things we said they could really do with is a good tight end. And yet the Patriots, yeah. who have got the best in the league, not this season, Travis Kelsey was the best this season, but the best in the league overall, went out and got the best available guy as a yep. second guy. I think, I think Bennett's the top five tight end in the league. I, I think this it's season, Kelsey, Gronkowski, yeah. Olsen, and then I put Bennett right there in the mix. And the thing with Bennett... Tra- is Travis Kelsey is in there for me now because of the quality that his blocking's gone up in the last 12 months. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But Bennett's the all-round guy as well. He's a better blocker than any of those guys except for Gronk. I think he'd... I mean, the interesting thing for me is that Bennett's actually been injured for the last six weeks and he's going to be a lot healthier the, the ball has snaps down in the last couple of weeks and he's had obviously a little bit more rested he's had a bit of an ankle strain but Julian Edelman has been one of the best receivers in the NFL for Incredible. the second half of the season he, he, he had a broken foot last year and a hangover from the broken foot for the first eight weeks of this year the second half of the season he's been absolutely fantastic and well we've seen him come come up huge in a, in a Super Bowl he was awesome in that game and the Patriots are just loaded and I, I almost feel like obviously they're not a better team without Gronk but Brady's spreading the ball about a little bit more which is important because Brady one of his faults 
and there aren't a lot of them, is he hones in on certain guys, and you see it now with Edelman. Um, he's a better quarterback when he spreads the ball around, and I think Michael Floyd came in and did really well against Miami. He's basically holed up in a hotel room three minutes from the stadium, so he's doing everything he can. <laughs> love that, to, absolutely to, love that. He really is, to, to learn the playbook. Really he already is. knew a lot of the playbook anyway from college, and with Charlie Weiss and Notre Dame. And I think he's going to have an impact. They've got Malcolm Mitchell to come back of injury. They're really loaded on offense. And, I mean, the, the matchup we haven't spoken about yet is I'd be amazed if the Texans scored a touchdown in this game. Oh, he loves those Patriots, man. Don't you, Sherry? That is. I felt, I felt really bad about them earlier this year, but I'm, I'm increasingly optimistic. <laughs> I don't care if that's not amused any of our <laughs> listeners. That's tickled me a lot. Uh, well done, so well done. <laughs> I think it's damning as well that we've gone, I don't know, seven or eight minutes, and it, 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 we haven't even spoken about the Houston offense. <laughs> I, Brock sorry, Os- th- sorry, there's a Houston offense. Yeah, well, th- apparently so. Osweiler, okay, he got a, a, a passing touchdown last week. He got, a, I think, his third uh, rushing Osweiler touchdown. Osweiler had an okay game last week. I just, I'm still not seeing it. If week one he'd come in and played like he played last weekend and then improved from there, by this point he'd look like a playoff quarterback. He's but just well, playing he now can't improve. how he needed to play in week one. There's no improvement <laughs> that's going on. Bob O'Brien, Bob has seen it. Bob O'Brien, Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Sorry, I've got him saved on my uh, on, <laughs> in front of me as B.O.B. Bob. Bob. Uh, Bill O'Brien has seen it. There is no improvement that can be had with this guy. <laughs> he also was against the worst defense in the NFL last week, which nobody has mentioned the, the, the Oakland defence over the year led the league in yards per play given up, which to me is one of the most important statistical categories. So I, I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say it now. I don't think we need to talk about the Texans' offence against the yeah. Patriots' defence. I, I, th- I just think it's I think it's a waste of our breath. It's a waste of our listeners' time. Nobody wants to hear it. I'm I'll call- tell you what, there's I'm one thing. It. There's <laughs> oh, one thing hell, I want to talk go. about. Sorry, time code that. CJ Federitz. Federitz. Why do you want to talk about that? He's all right. He's decent. He's had a really good second half to the season. And I love a tight end at the moment. It's uh, almost the new fullback he's for been me. A, he's, been, he's been a half-decent fantasy tight end this year because he's the only person who Brock Osweiler's whiffy high throws can be caught by. <laughs> He's the only guy willing to throw to, and by the way, he's also going to be the main guy that the Patriots take out of the game, and I include DeAndre Hopkins in that because he's the only guy that has even a semblance of chemistry with Osweiler. There you go, so it was right to bring him up. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was vindicated and correct once again. So I'm taking, uh, I'm taking the Texans. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, do we even need to all say we're taking the Patriots? Well, let's do by how many points. I reckon less than 15. I reckon I'm going to go under. Then yeah, I, I, I think it might be under the spread, because I think the Patriots will take their foot off the pedal. Yeah, it's it's Steelers last weekend. Get out to a big lead early, and then maybe take your quarterback out of the game. Hey, Mike! Mike! Although... I, I hate that guy. Roethlisberger. <laughs> <laughs> Roethlisberger has... Uh, oh, this was me smoothly segueing professional broadcaster Will Gavin uh, to the uh, to the next game (laughs) because the Pittsburgh Steelers are heading in to Kansas City to face off with our beloved Chiefs
I love the way that would have blown everyone's headphones off because I cranked that up a little too loud. Sorry, guys. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which kind of unofficially over the last two years have become uh, you know how the around the NFL guys do the team of ATL in my mind the Kansas City Chiefs have become my unofficial favorite non-49ers team other than the Jaguars they're my third team because really below the jacks come on man (laughs) yeah all right people keep on writing them off and saying that they're just playing against bad teams but Alex Smith is is a great scheming quarterback great design scheme absolutely great design scheme running backs I like and they've now added some explosive big player Billy in Tyreek Hill they are an offense to be excited about and the Steelers right last week we talked about this Steelers defense and again I think they showed up against the Dolphins shows here baby but in the eight game winning streak they've not had to face an offense who have had any semblance of real quality the best they've gone up against was the Buffalo Bills in that horrendous snow game and basically that was hand the ball off to Shady McCoy hand the ball off to Shady McCoy hand the ball off to Shady McCoy and they struggled in the snow yeah and they struggled in the snow I I genuinely think at Arrowhead with the Andy Reid coaching, as long as they don't have to do a two-minute drill at any point, then the Chiefs should be able to out-scheme this Steelers team. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, there's a couple of elements that play into this. Um, ben Roethlisberger is not playing well. He didn't play well against the Dolphins. Right, Sherry, one second. You sounded really clear for a moment then, and then suddenly you disappeared. What did you do? I did absolutely nothing. No idea then. Time code that. Start again. Do you know what it is? It's northern internet connectivity. (laughs) I've got 200 megabyte broadband, Ollie. Now leave it in because that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Sherry, carry on. Um, Yeah, so Ben Roethlisberger is not playing well. He didn't play well last week. He's been absolutely awful on the road this season. I don't know if people have seen his road numbers. It's like eight touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's been terrible on the road this year. And he's been rubbish in about the last four games as well. Yeah, he he has. But but Byron, I mean, you can't even give him credit for the the Dolphins because he basically threw sideways passes to Antonio Brown, who the Dolphins decided not to tackle. So he's just not playing well. He he threw a terrible pick and a near pick in the game against the Dolphins. And and most importantly, it's a big coaching mismatch. I massively overrated Mike Tomlin three years ago, and now I just think he's a joke. And and to me, other than the fact that all of the games were pretty bad, the lowest moment of last weekend was him pointing towards the camera after that guy leaped over the for the kickoff, the the Dolphins guy, as if to say, guys, I spotted that in the film room. I'm not just a cheerleader. We did. Do you think he's just been lucky because of having Antonio Brown and Lev Bell in the last three years? This is the other thing as well. Nobody is getting on this guy's back for the fact that he's had one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL for the last however many years. And virtually every season, they're scrambling to get a spot in the wildcard weekend. This has been Ben Roethlisberger's worst season over the last three, though. Two, three years ago, before the start of the season, I said that based on his performances of the last two years, Roethlisberger was on the cusp of being out of my top ten. And then over two years, he was absolutely brilliant. And then this year, he's fallen to pieces again. And actually, when people keep talking about health and Le'Veon Bell being healthy and Antonio Brown being healthy, but the fact is, is last week against the Dolphins, OK, maybe they took their foot off the gas... 
as long as it wasn't a foot in a foot in a boot, a foot in a boot. What are you? Uh, I, tried, I tried to do a bad joke and it failed miserably because yeah. I did an accent. Um, the uh, classic will Gavin. It came from three drives at the start of the game, and yes, they looked impressive. And yes, I like that Steelers offensive line because of the chemistry they have with Le'Veon Bell because they know. That when the defence reacts, Bell's going to do it. So they react to the defence rather than pressing. All of that, great. But I just think that they're coming up against a much better defence this week in the Chiefs. They're a big play defence. They get turnovers. Um, and they're going to, by the sounds of it as well, and, and this is a big factor if it's true, Justin Houston getting healthier and healthier, getting better and better, expected to take pretty much every snap this week. Oh, I, I and, and then Houston, on, and then, we have a problem. And then the Chiefs' offence matches up really well. It, those, it's those rookies. It's um, uh, Sean Smith, Davis, Sean, the safety, and Artie Burns. Those guys are going to struggle against a well-coached offence because it's the first time they're really facing one. I'm taking the Chiefs and I think it's going to be not even close. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I had an argument with Simon Clancy on Dolphins PR as he, as he often is uh, last week. About, and I could not give the Chiefs any credit for last week at all. Like, the third Steelers. drive, the, the Steelers, any credit for last week, the third drive, they literally drove down the entire field without attempting a pass do you know how dis- how bad you have to play on defence for that to happen? It's absolutely ridiculous. And I think the, it's all right. He's gone. <laughs> he's gone but, to the, the Broncos now. So, barring a barring a couple of, have I just said Broncos? No, no. As in Vance Joseph has gone to the Broncos oh, now, so it's okay. fine. Yeah, and also barring barring a couple of, of, of strip sacks, which were basically protection errors by the Dolphins, it literally could have been a seven-point game early in the second half, like. There was just, I didn't think there was hardly, hardly anything impressive about the Chiefs, who apparently had put the NFL on notice. Steelers. The Steelers tried them. <laughs> what? This is the thing I'm really enjoying. We did, I, so I did a poll, and, and admittedly, uh, I did this poll as a joke at like at the end of the first quarter of the Steelers Dolphins game and I went okay so it's Texans at Patriots and Steelers at Chiefs next weekend who you got and no, right. I think it was like three percent Texans and Steelers, two percent Texans and Chiefs. So let's take that out of the mix. The others, it was a probably fifty-eight to forty-two percent weighting in favour of the Steelers winning this game uh, and the Patriots going through over the Chiefs. And then a lot of people going, the Steelers are the only team that can challenge the Patriots in New England. Now, unless we see a much better performance from Ben Roethlisberger this week, and that's the reason they beat the Chiefs in maybe a shootout. And guys, here's something we don't talk about. And here's something which is not very cool to say and not very sexy to say. Alex Smith is a really, really good playoff quarterback. Yeah, that's true. He's got a great record in the playoffs. He, like, the run with the 49ers when he took them pr- almost to the Super Bowl, the run with the, um, the the Chiefs where they had that win over the Colts where they came from behind in that massive way. Like, he, he turns into a different man, it feels like, and he still doesn't turn the ball over and he still stays cool, calm and collected. I'm giving the Chiefs too much love yeah. almost at this point. But if anyone is going to go to New England and beat them from this AFC, I think it's the Chiefs. And even then, I think it's tough. Wasn't the game against the Colts, the Colts coming back and beating them? Yeah, but he still had a really good game. Or... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's, that's I think true. that's what I meant. He still had a really good game in that comeback. I got overexcited, Sherry. Yeah, um, yeah he is pretty It good. happens. I, I, I can't... I got as overexcited as the 49ers did back in 2004. When they... no, that, the, the, that game against the Saints, so, <laughs> what, what, 
Smith had as well. That was awesome, wasn't it? The the oh the Saints um, uh, divisional round game. The, the bootleg run is one of the most. The best still my still my favourite NFL game I've ever watched. Yeah, like awesome. as a fan, like that the, was of the team. Round, mm-hmm. Good games on divisional round weekend. Uh, any other thoughts on this game, Ollie Hunter? I think it'll be eleven point win for the Chiefs. What twenty one ten or something like that? The, the, the only thing that gives me pause is that ridiculous loss the Chiefs had against Tennessee a couple of weeks ago, that, mm. where Tennessee controlled the ball and and the Chiefs just were terrible in the red zone. They actually controlled that game, but. That gives me a bit of pause, but like you said, I just don't trust Ben on the road, especially in, in Arrowhead, and, and I think the Chiefs will win. Good. Let's move on to... I, I, I kind of... The Falcons-Seahawks is the... You'll like this, Ollie. Sneaky, most intriguing game this weekend. But really, I think the one that people are struggling to call the most, because the Packers are on this incredible run of the table, as it were, is the Green Bay Packers going into taking the Cowboys. Now, yesterday, it was... The anniversary of Des didn't catch the ball gate. Uh, these are two teams who have a lot of history over recent seasons. And <laughs> I think that whilst the Cowboys still come into this game, as I, can, <laughs> I didn't expect the Dallas theme tune, how bizarre. Um, whilst the Cowboys. Oh, it's going to be most wonderful time again. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst the Cowboys are still coming into this game Come as on, the favourites <laughs> at home. Hey, I once did an intro over the Undertaker music. I can handle this. Come on, pro. Uh, <laughs> Whilst the Cowboys are still the favourites coming into this at home, considering their record this year and everything else, you just you do look at what's happening with the Packers and it has that America's game feel to it. It has that... They are pulling things out when they shouldn't be. The first, they were not good for the first quarter and a half against the Giants. Then they got the huge sack from Julius Peppers, which turned the game around. Two massive plays on offense later in a big return, and suddenly they were in control. And you just feel like if the Cowboys can't get established early, you could always get something out of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's, it's, a- it's interesting to us. This is, this is actually a good point to get to you, Sherry, because... Maybe ten or so weeks ago, at three and five, four and six, you were the hashtag run the table. You were the cheerleader of the Aaron Rodgers is crap brigade. No, and, I, I and was the cheerleader of the fact that over a full single season worth of games, he played really badly, and he and did, he and he and he did. We're not denying that, but it's it'd be good to get. That's kind of the last time we really spoke in depth about Rodgers with you. I'd love to get your perspective on this entire run and whether you think he can go into Dallas and continue it. I'm going to predict yeah. he says Rogers has been lucky. Carry <laughs> on. He, he hasn't been lucky. He is brilliant. I mean, and then the thing is, I think part of that, the, the thing with him was, like, it was frustration at the fact that he was playing so badly and he, he'd got away from what had made him great. And he, he had got back to that, there's no doubt about it. He is, in terms of stopping him, he's the most difficult quarterback in the league because of the extending the plays and it's just he does it so effectively I don't think I've ever seen a guy evade pass rushes better than him just in terms of you, you, you feel like he's banged to rights and then suddenly he's free and, it's it's the and, not full on scramble but the what we saw particularly on that 8 second long uh, holding the ball before the, the first touchdown last weekend where everyone I mean I, I, I certainly tweeted it was about pocket presence everyone was like look at that protection anyone could do it with that protection but there were two separate occasions where you thought they've got him no they haven't They've got him again. No, they haven't. Touchdown! And then, I mean, a lot of people credit the protection, but the reason the protection is so good is because of him, because 
defences can't pass rush them conventionally, especially defensive ends, which is why people criticise the Giants for not getting any pressure, but you can't get pressure because you need to keep them in the pocket, so your first job is really to keep him in the pocket rather than to actually get to him, because if you get to him, he's liable to beat the tackle and be, and be open. So it, it's a really difficult matchup. My only problem with Rodgers, where it, I think in that essence he's a step above like a Manning or a Brady, where I feel like he's behind them, and I'm interested to hear what Ollie thinks of this, he will not release the ball unless there is a guy open. He very rarely will throw the ball into a tight well, window. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's why we've got this 18 whoa, touchdowns, whoa, 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 no whoa. interceptions, because he's, he's not, he's not going to throw late and over the middle where he knows it's a risk. he's also got a guy who diagnoses what the defence is doing immediately before the snap and can get the ball out in two seconds every play either. In the, and, I mean, it's, that's not a criticism. There's only two guys I've ever seen who can do that in Brady and Manning. Like, that's an incredibly high bar. I would say he's on a par with Brady and Manning talent-wise because... The, the legs kind of give him the edge on the other side, but I think he is slightly below them and that, which is why, when like in the first half against the Giants, when the coverage is good, he can look a little bit ordinary because he can't just get into a play, get the quick five yards, and do it that way. And if you look at his passer rating against teams who really disguise what they're doing with the safeties and disguise coverages, it isn't great. I saw a great stat with Pro Football Focus. It's about 80, 70, 80. And that's what Rod Marinelli is really good at. He will disguise the, the coverages a lot in this game. And, and I think that'll be an interesting matchup. The, the main thing with the, with the game last week is, and this is kind of undeniable, is the Giants, in the second half in particular, played in a way that gifted Green Bay the game. And I know the first half is what we focus on because of the points that they just left off the board, but they held the ball for eight minutes in the second half. That is not going to be dream. You can't give Aaron Rodgers however many possessions. It must have been six, seven, eight possessions in a half and not expect him to run up the score. Mm. It's ridiculous. Well, well, let's, look, whatever, look, let's get all these thoughts on Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get on to the Cowboys' offense versus the Green Bay defense. We'll, we'll talk about that separately. But first of all, just Aaron Rodgers. And... and it particularly intrigues me in this game. Mo Claiborne's apparently going to be back, and and actually, kind of quietly, that Dallas defense has been again well schemed. Phrase of the week, uh, I think, because we're at this point in the playoffs, most teams are <laughs> scheming well because that's why they're here. But um, the the secondary, which two years ago I was saying was one of the worst in the league, with a lot of the same pieces, looks really good. I think the Byron Jones pickup in the draft two years ago was a huge part of that, but. So Rogers against this unit, enough weapons. Uh, he's, he, surely he's still going to be fine, Ollie. Um, Shootout time. Let me just play you a bit of Rogers after the game. Yes, uh, last week. Yesterday, uh, which will, yesterday. Yeah, which will help illustrate what I'm going to say afterwards. Uh, I wasn't in a great rhythm in the first uh, first quarter and a half. I missed a couple throws, and then you know I, I took a couple sacks as well. Then Mike, you know, got me in a flow there at the end of the second quarter uh, when we had a touchdown drive, and then. Uh, did a nice job in the two minute, giving us a chance, uh, time and downs there to have some points. In the second half, we just really got rolling there. Got the ball to Randall and Devante, and those guys made a lot of plays for us. Okay, so that was Aaron Rodgers last week. He's a, and he says in there, Mike, I was out of rhythm. Mike gave, Mike helped me out. Actually, I think that the, the play that helped him out, and this goes against kind of what uh, Sherry was saying, was the tight the tight throw to the right hand side where Devontae Adams uh, caught the ball and, and would sort of run out of bounds about the, the 15 to the 10 and 
that's the play that gave him his rhythm. He needs to play like that early against this Cowboys defense to uh, to gain his get his rhythm. He's always got the confidence, but he's expecting more from himself. Once he gets that, as I said, that rhythm, that's when we see that he is such a great passer. That play down the right hand side was an in the pocket play. It was two or three. It was tight window, two or three seconds down the sideline he needs to play like that he can scramble about all he likes if he gets a good play like that that's when we see the best of him uh, and for me that's and for me that's the just very quickly and for me that's part of what the benefit is of been has, has been of cook coming into the team over recent weeks because actually it gives him that option of a bigger bodied guy a guy who can offer him an option over the middle who he knows he can go to when he's maybe slightly t- more tightly covered and he will make the contested catch and he said it himself. He talked about bigger bodies on the field when he talked about Devontae Adams and him. Devontae Adams obviously isn't a bigger body, but he became to trust him again, yep. which I think that trust with the receivers and him knowing that has made a big part of this. And, and that's why he's got kind of, kind of better as the run's gone on. And it is a big confidence thing, I think. I think you're right about that. I just think that they're, the Cowboys are going to be much better, Sherry said it, at disguising and at kind of knocking them off rhythm. They're going to need a bit more of a run game this week. And, and there's, there's, it's really intriguing on that side of the ball how that match is going to be. I think you made a good point there, Ali. I think he's a rhythm quarterback, isn't he? But I think that plays into what I was saying about him. Not, he, he doesn't ever just get back, ball out in two seconds. That's what gets quarterbacks in rhythm. So he does have to do it a different way. Subconsciously, I think part of me is terrified of, of playing him in the in the Super Bowl. I must admit, because I'm not going to lie, I want a Green Bay pa- a Patriots yeah, Super Bowl in the worst amazing, way. It? It'd be a it great be game, amazing. and I could sit with Ollie on one side of me, Maybe. Sherry on the other side, and that'd be great. Outside of Breeze Manning, a few years ago, when was the last time we had that kind of? of quarterback matchup in a Super Bowl because Brady and Manning were always on the same side of the conference you, you kind of never got that you look at mm. you look at Super Bowls in the past and I mean there weren't always great games where you had a Montana well we had Big Ben um, Big Ben Aaron Rodgers uh, a few years ago Brady, yeah, that's, that's true Brady Wilson that. two years ago was uh, turned into that sort of matchup when but we the two didn't of them know were trading that... touchdowns from kind of the mid third quarter onwards and Russell Wilson then he was a second year guy and it, the, third, this, the jury was sorry, third year guy. Was, the jury was still. It wasn't <laughs> totally. Bastards. It wasn't totally out, but you know, he became the quarterback that we know he is now. But, sort of during that year. My, my overriding point with it is really that I, I mean, I, I thought Russell Wilson was the top five quarterback that year. I've always loved Wilson, but I would say that in my generation. Three quarterbacks are a decent level above the rest, and, and Drew Brees is close to them. But I would say that the Manning, Brady, and Rodgers are the best three quarterbacks of this generation by some distance from what I've seen. And and, and it would be great to get two of those in a Super Bowl. That would be awesome. Right, let's, let's, let's... I think we, we talked... There's wax things, lyrical too much. Yeah, there's him, there's yeah, two yeah. things we haven't mentioned. The first thing is, uh, we talked a lot about Jordy Nelson being out in the podcast earlier this week, so I don't think we need to talk about it again. We talked about the different passing options he has and that we think they, he can survive without those. Let's talk about the other side of the ball because we, it's the first chance we've had to talk about the Cowboys in this postseason and we're running quite long already as it is. So we've got all of the storylines that we've talked about time and time again. Two rookies... One having an MVP type season, one having as good a season as you've seen from a, a fourth round quarterback in the history of the NFL as a rookie, and they are going up against a defense which we know on the outside can be exploited. Now, 
had I think, a better game against what, the Giants on the outside, yeah, though. They did have a much better game against the Giants, but something I said last week was that what they did against the Giants, and this comes back to Sherry's point about controlling the clock and the time, uh, controlling the time of possession, is that they sat two deep safeties and they went, runners. They, they, said to, they, they said to the Giants, we know you've got no real run game. You've got three run plays you can run with Perkins. Go at it. We will cover, we will play nickel, we will play dime, mm. we will drop loads deep and we'll let you run at us and we'll stop you. You cannot do that against Ezekiel Elliott and that Cowboys line. And that's where that becomes really interesting to me. How are they going to go from... They schemed really well against the Giants, but there was an obvious flaw. You don't have the same obvious flaw with this Cowboys offence. Yeah, I think that's one of the best points of the, of the whole show, really. I, I agree completely. <laughs> Cheers, babes. No, it is, though. I mean, the... the that we didn't really think about last week. Well, I certainly didn't. But the Packers were kind of built to beat the Giants in the way that they play defense, and that is often the way they play defense. Is is, is with with Don Cravens. And it'll be interesting to see what they do this week because obviously they can't do that because the Cowboys will say, "Well, yeah, we will run it." Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two hundred yards, three touchdowns, and yeah, yeah, two Aaron Rodgers off the field. That plays totally <laughs> into the hands, doesn't it? <laughs> You, you simply have to load the box against this Cowboys team and take your chances covering the wide receivers. Now, Green Bay's problem is that they can't cover any wide receivers because their safeties are really good, but their cornerbacks are, are awful. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that is... I could see Dallas's defence at least causing some problems for Green Bay's offence, although I think Green Bay's offence will, will, will score points. I just really don't see how Green Bay's defense gets Dallas's offense off the field, and it's the, Ollie, I'm in- interested to see what you think. It's it's the I tell you the game to look at on this, and and then we'll get Ollie's thoughts. It was the game uh, three four weeks ago uh, on Sunday night Monday night football. Was it against the Giants? Where, no, because they beat the, they lost to the Giants. Who did they? Was it the Lions when they were twenty one apiece in the first half? Yeah, it was the Lions. And yeah. then Des, it was when Des Bryant threw a touchdown pass in the second yeah, half. And Lions. they they the the Lions looked good for about a quarter, and they did go well on offense. The the, the the Cowboys defense disappeared for the first half of that game, but once the offense got going and Des Bryant finally came back into the side and looked good, this feels like. Perfectly set up for that Des Bryant revenge game that the storyline is is touting. Yeah, and Des hasn't looked the same player up until that point, and I don't think he's coverable by the Green Bay cornerbacks or whoever plays Michael Hyde filled in against, uh, I think it was uh, Sterling Shepard, he broke up one of the passes into the end zone last week. Um, I don't think there's any, it's a bad matchup. Uh, with Des Bryant on that outside, I think Beasley and Williams are coverable with with what you said. Will those those two nickels, uh, the the safeties, sorry, are playing back there and and, and covering the quarterbacks when need uh, the cornerbacks when needed. Uh, going back to your question, Sherry, and how they they're, they're going to get the pressure to uh, Dak and get the get uh, you know Zeke and and the Cowboys offense off the field. I think a lot of it is is going to be down to what uh, Green Bay can do with linebackers and defensive end. Now, uh, Nick Perry, who was out last week, uh, Blake Martinez, who went out of the game last week, both have come back into full practice. Martinez has been excellent. Martinez has been excellent. Both... uh, on, especially on uh, running plays, he's he's been much better in in that respect. Clay Matthews was was sparsely used last week. He got that f- that sack fumble recovery, which was which was a crazy play. I think they've been holding him back. 
all of this week, all of this season, the back end of last of the, of the regular season, to bring him back and seeing far more reps this time round. That, that I think is actually where it's going to be won and lost on that outside. And if Green Bay can get to Dak, that that they'll win the game. Uh, I, I also um, think there's an element with Dak Prescott of he's just reacted so coolly to everything that's come mm. up against him. But I still say, well, do you st- are you telling me that he still couldn't hit that court that rookie quarterback bump in a playoff game in mm. the highest pressure situation in the divisional round? I'm not saying I necessarily expect him to because he's handled everything so amazingly so far. But would you blame him if he had a bad game against whoa, whoa, in, in whoa, the playoffs? Whoa. Like. Christ, this guy's done absolutely everything. It, you know, you'd have to still stand up and applaud the season he'd had if he did have a bad game, which I don't expect. Well, what would make it really interesting to me, what I would love to see happen, is I, I, Dallas will defer anyway, probably. I think they usually defer if they win the coin toss. But if Green Bay wins it, they need to take the ball, which they, they need to drive down the field and score a touchdown, and then say, over the that first playoff game, you're down 7 0 already. This is this is the game. This is Aaron Rodgers. This is how he's playing. Mm. I think if they could send a message like that early, they might be able to get inside their heads. But I, I just really, I really struggle to see any matchup that that favours Green Bay's defense. And, and I think that the way to beat Rodgers is to limit his possessions. And if he doesn't get in rhythm early, Ollie, yeah. and you limit his possessions, that's a recipe for success, isn't it? That suddenly, I think back to that Tennessee game, and I know this was kind of the abyss for Green Bay that game. <laughs> just but, a bit. But what the, what Tennessee did was got up early, and then it just created so many problems. And I think for either team, if they can do that in yeah. this game, I think it would it would send a message from Green Bay's part. And I think if Dallas were able to do it, you kind of look at them thinking, well, are we ever going to be able to stop them scoring at least three points on a drive? And I, and I think it's a tough ask for them to do that. And let's just not forget that the Cowboys went into Lambeau Field and beat Green Bay at the start of Green Bay's big slump. Uh, yeah. In the, but up until that point. The Green Bay rushing defense was absolutely outstanding. Oh, it was the number league, one, yeah. and when you've got Mike Daniels et al in the, in in the middle, and the evergreen uh, Julius Peppers and Clay Matthews on the outside, and those improving linebackers who I really didn't rate at the back end of last season, who've really come along this season, the likes of Perry and Martinez, that is going to be really interesting to see how they play out against an offensive line who has had a week off and Zeke Elliott who okay he was in it, uninjured or so reports say in this minor car accident earlier this week but all of those things could come into play and you, as you said Sherry if you go up against Dallas in their home stadium they haven't played for a week nerves will start to jangle what will be really interesting is if Green Bay are making another cup of tea what would be really interested is if Green Bay are up by two or three scores or 17 points or something like that Doesn't in the really second go, half, do we see Romo? I, I would say that, we would. That, that, I think they're a more dangerous proposition with Romo personally. But yeah. it, I, I mean, I, final thing I'd say, for the Packers to win, I think Julius Peppers needs to have a massive game because I'm, I think Clay Matthews is done because he can't take horse tranquilizer or whatever he was probably taking. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Uh, this uh, hashtag that, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. This is not sponsored by the Gridiron magazine or the no. Gridiron show. No, remotely. We don't really believe any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think Clay Matthews is going to be suing us anytime soon. But look, I, I think he, he's. It, let's because we're running incredibly long.
along, as always. Yeah, but, but this has been great chat. It's, 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 it's been high quality, but let's be honest, people have to, are going to have to listen to us for, for seven hours during Super Bowl week. Let's, let's rein some of this in, because one of these teams is probably going. Sorry, Falcons and Seahawks. Um, uh, two of these teams are definitely going to the Super Bowl. Well, I don't know if you, you know that. Well, I mean, if the teams we're talking about right now... I mean, that wasn't clear, but I understood what you meant. Thanks, but that's only because I've known you for (laughs) (laughs) and spent an awful lot of time with you. Uh, Far be it from from me to to contradict a professional name, radio host, broadcaster, presenter, whatever whatever term you guys want to use. (laughs) Get on with it. Right, let's get some predictions. And the fact for me is. I am in a heart and head situation, even though I'm not a Packers fan, partially because I don't want to have to wear a Cowboys shirt to uh, the International Series Cowboys next what? week. Cowboys jersey. Yep. Uh, to the Super Bowl or to the International Series next year. Um, but I think the Cowboys do match up too well everywhere. And I think the only. You said it there with Julius Peppers, but I think it's true of the entire front seven. If Green Bay are going to win this game, it requires one or two things. It's going to require Aaron Rodgers putting up 60 points and being ludicrous, which is possible. Which is potential there or it's going to require that defence playing the best game they've played in three years and I don't know if either is going to happen so there's no potential on that to by keep the way. my picks going I'm going to take the Cowboys but really I want the Packers to win Sherry yeah I'm going to take the Cowboys well I mean if, if you would offer me a Patriots Packers Super Bowl I knew the Patriots would win I'd love that <laughs> if I knew my team were going to win the Super Bowl yeah great Ollie yeah heart head all um, the same do you know what I think it is he believes yes, he right, believes I, yes. think, I think we're going to see a repeat of Super Bowl 51 uh, Super Bowl 1 sorry Super Bowl 51 <laughs> we're going to see a repeat of Super Bowl 1 in Super Bowl 51 I think it will be a Chiefs Packers and uh, I think that the, classic the, the form team the Cowboys lost against the uh, against Washington um, in the against Philadelphia, sorry, in that final game, the form team seven <laughs> seven in a row is <laughs> the Packers. <laughs> right? Yeah, we all know that, Sherry. We all know that. It's fine. He's he's just bless him. So you're picking Green Bay. Green yeah. Bay. It's going to be Green Bay. Fine. Right. All wonderful stuff, gentlemen. Uh, thank you, Nat Sherry of Gridiron, for joining us. Uh, and uh, I will get you the on the pod stuff later today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank Very you, t- thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Always tweet us at Gridiron. You can find out all the information about the party at gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl Li, or w- the link is going out from our Twitter constantly. You can also find out the chance to win that competition prize with Visit Houston and the Touchdown Trips trip because we are uh, lovingly sponsored by Ben Mortimer from Touchdown Trips, uh, and we will. Certainly be doing some stuff in Houston, some exciting little travel logs, which we're looking forward to doing as well. Uh, Ollie, any final thoughts? Oh, no. In which case, this has been the Gridiron Show. <laughs> <laughs>